Uh, I want to echo what my darling wife, uh, Christy, said, uh, church, uh, family, thank y'all so much. Um, we really were well cared for, felt loved, and we're really blessed uh, by the outpouring of support that uh, that we received. Um, and really, God looked out for us. Um, we did not experience any of the major symptoms that uh, would have uh, forced us to have to go to ICU or anything. Uh, we had, there were some blah days in there. There was uh, the some loss of taste and smell. And uh, I thought it was really interesting, uh, Brittany decided to take advantage of the loss of taste. And she started eating vegetables that she wouldn't normally eat. She's like, why not? I can't taste them. I may as well take advantage of this right now. So, you know, sometimes these things can be turned into some good, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, now that when the taste comes, now that the taste is back, we'll see what she does there. But, but we appreciate the healthy eating while we could get it. <laughs> uh, well, praise the Lord. Uh, just join me in a brief word of prayer and we'll go ahead and get into the word of God. Uh, Father, thank you for what you've already begun to do. You've stirred up our hearts in worship, Lord. Father, that was a wonderful time of worship, and um, and, and and Lord, I just uh, thank you that you have uh, softened our hearts and prepared us, Lord, uh, to hear from you, and that it, that word will be planted on good soil and bear fruit in our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, we're going to start today in the book of Second Kings, chapter 6. And uh, the title of the message today is Open Our Eyes, Lord. Open Our Eyes, Lord. And uh, some of what I'm going to cover today was in a couple of those songs. It's amazing how God works that out. Um, we, we do not. I'm not in the worship uh, rehearsals and stuff. I don't know what they're going to sing before they do it. Um, but God just somehow works that out. And uh, it's better to let's let God do that, right? But uh, we're going to start in the eighth verse. And I'm, we're going to go from verse 8 to verse 23, but we're going to do it in like smaller increments. I'll start off reading verses 8 to 10. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And I, I considered that. I had a question in my, in my mind. What do we learn about God in, in, in these verses here? You know, we have plotting that's going on. And this is relevant for us today because there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of reasons to, to tempt us to fear and concern and fright and doubt and fear and unbelief and all those things. Uh, and there's a lot, there, there are a lot of those who are always uh, ringing the fear bell. This is going on over here. This is going on over there. And our focus is on 
all these moles, these, these moles we, we, we feel like we need to whack. This, but this tells me, this, the king of Israel is sitting there in his palace and his enemy, the king of Syria, is plotting and scheming to overtake him. And he's oblivious to it. But God isn't. Right? And what does God do for him? God speaks to the man of God, the prophet, and he tells him not to go to a certain place where the enemy is lying in wait for him. And the man of God tells this to the king. The king listens to it and is spared. Sometimes we make the simple things harder than they have to be. Right? You know, it's, you know, maybe it's cool to know a lot about what's going on out there. But you know what's more cool and what's more important is to hear what God is saying. But as long as we can hear what God is saying, we're good. If we hear him, take it to heart and act on it, we're good. But it tells me God is aware. God knows what's going on and he knows how to direct our paths to keep us safe and to help us accomplish his will. And what is the benefit of knowing God in these, in, in, in those three, first three verses? Well, the prophet if he didn't know God, he wouldn't know the voice of God. If he didn't know God, he wouldn't be attentive and incline his ear to hear God. And he would not have received the warning from God that he gave the king. He would not have the peace of knowing that despite the enemy schemes, we're good over here. So the peace of God that passes all understanding. It is a benefit of knowing God, right? The protection of God. It is he who fights for us. It is he who is our shield, who protects us. That's a benefit of knowing God, right? It is he who makes us victorious. And so God speaks to us. Though when we know him, he speaks to us. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, do you know the voice of God? God is speaking. Are you listening? Are we taking the time to set ourselves apart and devote time to interface with God? Time in his word, time in prayer, time, time investing in the most important relationship in our life. God wants that. He wants to speak into our lives and give us direction that will spoil the enemy schemes for our lives. God guides and directs you in ways that will spoil the enemy schemes against you. All right, let's move on to verse 11. I didn't want to linger in any one of these too long, but I, I, I want to linger there long enough to get certain things, draw certain things out of there. 
verses 11 to 13 goes on. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, so he did not know what was going on. But he says, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? He's thinking there's a traitor in their midst. And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he is in Dalton. You know, when the gift and calling of God is real and properly exercised, it has undeniable impact. We saw the benefit of it with Israel. Uh, Elisha tells the king what's what the enemy is plotting, the king acts accordingly, and the enemy's plan is thwarted. And so the, so the people of God are not overthrown. They're not defeated. They don't fall into a trap unawares that the enemy has set. Because God, who knows all, is informing them. He tells the king of Israel knows the enemy's plan before he could put him in action. We may, we waste too much time fearing what the enemy can do and too little time standing on what God has already done. What does the scripture say in, in, in Timothy? God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And so we waste too much time fearing what the enemy can do. We also spend too much time looking to other people to give us a word from God and not enough time letting God speak to us directly. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. And God wants to speak to you the things that he has prepared for you in your life. It maybe not everybody here believes that God speaks to them. Maybe you think you have to reach a certain spiritual level and all that, but no, 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 you're his child. My daughters, they know they can come speak to me. They, they, they're grown. They've been feeling they've been grown well before they were grown, but they, they're grown and they have no trouble speaking their mind to dad. I don't, I don't like it a lot of times, but they'll speak their mind. But one thing they've known is that they didn't have to wait until they were a certain age to be able to share their hearts with me. They didn't have to wait to a certain age for their dad to share his heart with them and to speak with them. They, they, they knew from the time that they were toddlers, all right, that, that their dad loved them and that they could freely come to their dad and they could have real conversation with them. And I've cultivated and encouraged that. And I believe that's the heart of God. I know that's the heart of God for us, that he has cultivated, that he's done everything he can to show his love for us. And he wants us to have that loving relationship where we trust him and we go to him 
and we, and we are mindful of, of the things that are on his heart and what the desires of his heart is and, and, and what he wants to say to us. It matters. We want to know that. We want to have a relationship where we are talking to God. And I'm not saying you, you, you've got to have some kind of audible, uh, uh, some kind of audible voice or anything like that. I'm just saying God will speak to you how God speaks to you. I know he speaks to me through his word. He quickens it and brings it to life. And he knows how to highlight a word to me that is relevant for me and how he wants to deal with me in that season of my life. Right? And, and that's how God wants to deal with us. Right? Uh, uh, a lot of times we're so concerned with what God is saying for the country. But what's more important is what is God saying for you and me? We need to know what God is saying to us individually, how is he wanting to work in our lives that we might humble ourselves and surrender to him there? If we will do that, we will see the benefit of that in operation. The evidence of that will be lived out in our lives and we'll begin to see amazing things happen that will reach the heart of those that need it. Those that need the gospel, those that need hope, those that need encouragement. I, I, I just felt like I, 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 I parked there because it was needed. And I'm just trusting God there. But we spend too much time looking to other people to give us a word from God and not enough time letting God speak to us directly. And if you're wondering whether or not that's you, you know, if you're spending too much time fearing, you know, there's a million questions I could ask, but here's one question. What, what drives your prayer? Is it, uh, what, what, what's the motivation of our prayer or our reading or our scripture time? Are, are we running to the word of God or running to seek God for fear of something? Or are we doing it just because we want to know him more? Just because we want to be in his presence and, 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 and we want to unburden ourselves to him, but we want him to reveal himself to us in a greater way, right? We want to grow in our relationship with God. What is our motivation? Is it fear-based? Are we running to him because we want him to fix something that's got us rocked? Are we running to him because we're concerned about the state of affairs in our city or our state or our country or the world? Or are we running to him because he's God and we need him? Like Paul said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, right? I want to know him in a deeper and more intimate way. You know, a byproduct of that is that of my knowing him, of my pressing into him, of my prioritizing my relationship with him. A byproduct of that is God will speak to us things that will bless us. God will speak to us things that we need to be wary of and he'll direct our footsteps, you know. But we don't have to seek that. We just need to seek him. We don't have to seek an answer or for him to do something. We just need to lock in and press in to him. So 
If we typically, if our typical MO is to run to God because we're concerned, I'm not going to discourage you from running to God when you're concerned. I'm just saying, let that not be our primary motivation for going to God. Either way, whether you're in fear or not in fear, he needs to be the one we run to. But let's not run to him only when we're afraid and want him to do something. Let's run to him because we love him. Let's run to him because our Abba, he's our Abba Father. And, and I want to know him in a deeper and more intimate way. Amen? And let, let, let that be the driving motivator <clears throat> uh, the bulk of the time. And so I, I want to uh, continue to go on here uh, just to think about how uh, accurate the information was that the people, that, that uh, Elisha was giving the king, so accurate that the king said, there's got to be an insider leaking information. You know, that, that's, a, that's a miracle. That's the power of God right there, to be able to relay that information that is spoken in secret to his people. That God is, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's our God, people. He can lay open and lay bare the enemy's plots against us. We don't have to fear what the enemy is doing because God knows it, and God will reveal to us what we need to know and direct us accordingly. And as we walk in obedience to God, we have victory is assured to us in Jesus' name. Amen? We just got to focus on, we can hear a lot of stuff, but all we need to really focus on is hearing what thus saith the Lord. Are you hearing me? All right. uh, So uh, continue on in verse 14. So here's (laughs) here's what the king of Syria does. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the whole city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And he and the servant said, alas, my master, which is basically saying, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Alas means, oh, we're in desperate, we're in desperate straits here. Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid. And here's really, I want you to highlight he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Right? So it wasn't just Elisha and his servant. He had horses and chariots of fire surrounding him that if that enemy decided to press the issue and press their advantage and take him out, that enemy would have never touched him. And Elisha didn't even have to lift a finger, right? So the enemy sent a great army to seize one man. That's the impact that this man had. That man was a prophet. He wasn't a general or a great warrior. So why the excessive force to seize one man? Simple. 
Because that one man, the prophet Elisha, was a prophet who heard from God. And God repeatedly revealed to that man what the enemy plotted in secret against Israel. That man then instructed the king of Israel according to what God had revealed to him, and the king of Israel followed his instructions. When God speaks, we only benefit from it when we humbly listen and obey. That man was the reason the king of Syria's plot was always ruined. The king sent that great army for that one man because he recognized that one man as the hindrance, the primary hindrance to his victory. We're talking about impact, right? Genuine gift, exercised properly, humbly obeyed. The enemy was powerless to do anything about it. We want God's benefits. Well, if we want God's benefits, we got to do things God's way. And when God speaks, if we want the benefit of what God is speaking, we need to humbly listen and obey what God said. Make no mistake about it. If Elisha had told the king of Israel not to go to that place, and the king of Israel went to that place, guess what would have happened to him? He would have got his teeth kicked in. We don't get to do things our own way and still benefit from God's blessing. We need to obey what God says and we see the salvation of the Lord. Amen? But the intel was so detailed and so accurate, the king believed there had to be a traitor within his most trusted circle. And after being told who the real problem was, he decided to eliminate the problem with extreme prejudice. Let's talk about Elisha's servant. He says, alas, master, what shall we do? That's a fear response, right? Because, and why wouldn't he be? I mean, me and my buddy would say that it's pucker time right there. I mean, it's time you're surrounded and when his servant saw the horses and the chariots and a great army surrounding the city, understandably, he was scared. And it's understandable for us to be a little scared when circumstances warrant it. You know, uh, the initial response a lot of times is going to be fear, but we can't park there. Right? It's understandable, but notice his fear was based only on what he could see. Right? And we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Because the, 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 there is a kingdom, all right, that, that, that there is a kingdom in heaven, right, that, that is greater than, than the kingdom of the world, right? And so, but he's looking at what he can see and he's like, oh man, what shall we do? I see no way of, to avoid serious injury or death in this situation. He knew that there was little chance of escaping or surviving an attack from so many people, uh, an army of such a great size. And I love the response that he got. He says, do not be afraid. For those who are with us, 
are more than those who are with them. So two people are looking at the same thing, but they have two different perceptions. And we need to look at that. Why is that? Because the same can apply to us in our real-time life right now. We can be in the same situation, and we can have completely different perspectives based on our point of view, right? Based on what point of view we're looking at it from, right? If we're looking at the problems, and those are the things that are prominently in our minds, guess what we're going to do? We're going to be walking in fear. And we're going to like, what can I do? But if we're reminding ourselves, all right, if we're reminding ourselves that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that, that, that greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world, if, if, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, if we remind ourselves of the truth of God's word, then it can alter our perspective, even though nothing's really changed. Everything changes when we, re, when, when we look at the situation in light of biblical truth. Right? And so, so he says, fear not. He's telling him a spiritual truth that his servant can't yet see. Right? And sometimes we have to do that, right? He's telling his servant. His servant's not an unbeliever. He's a believer. He just doesn't see what Elisha sees. And Elisha is standing there undeterred. He is not intimidated by the show of force from the enemy. I mean, he has good cause to not be intimidated because he sees the force of God on his side. Amen? And, and we need to remember that. The, the enemy may be active and the enemy may be at work, but the enemy is still a defeated foe. He is nothing compared to the power of God. Right? And as his disciples, as his representatives, we need to know that and we need to project that. So he tells him not to be afraid and he gives him reason not to be afraid. Now he probably thought he was like, I don't, well, I don't know what he's talking about, right? He's like, don't be afraid. Don't you see what I'm seeing? Well, hey, there's more, there, there's, there's more on our side than on their side. <laughs> And he's probably like, this dude has lost his mind. But what does he do? Then he prays for God to open his eyes. And he says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. He didn't pray that God would change anything in the situation. I might have made that prayer, you know. Strike them all down, Lord. But he didn't pray that God would change anything. His request was that his servant could actually see in full the reality of the situation. Let him not only see the natural reality, God, but open his eyes to the spiritual truth that also exists in this reality. Right? And a lot of times that's really what we need to be reminded of, right? <laughs> it's like we see the reality with our natural eyes. We, uh, our emotions are impacted and, and, and we feel real fear and concern because of what we can see in the natural, but we need to be encouraged and we need to be, we need to be reminded of what we can see is not the sum total of the reality. It's just, it's a partial picture. We have to be reminded that there is a spiritual truth. There's spiritual reality. 
that supersedes the natural reality. Does that make sense? And, and I think there's wisdom there. I mean, Elisha could have tried to explain to the servant what he couldn't see. But the servant couldn't see what he couldn't see, right? I mean, you can talk to people till you're blue in the face and try to explain a spiritual reality. But these things are revealed in the spirit. These things are only revealed by God. So what did he do? He prayed that God would open his eyes. So that he could see, his servant could see what he could see. You know, and I think that, I think that that is something that's instructive for us, you know, that to realize we can't reason and, and make people understand certain, uh, certain spiritual truths. We can present it to them, but we need to spend some time in prayer asking God to reveal those things to them so that they can see it for themselves. Because if they can catch a vision, can't you catch a glimpse of it, then you're not going to have to encourage them again in that thing. Once you see the, the, the chariots of fire and God's heavenly host surrounding them, you know what? That's bound to put a little, a little courage in your heart, right? In a way that a, uh, a little speech wouldn't be able to. But he had to see it, and only God can make him see it. And maybe that'll be an encouragement to you in your life. Maybe you have friends, family, uh, loved ones that are not in the best of places right now with the Lord. You can trust God with them. Don't, 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 don't conduct yourself with fear concerning them. But trust in the ability of your God to reveal those spiritual truths to them. You can speak the truth in love without feeling the pressure of having to close the deal, right? Let God close the deal. Present the case in faith. Bless them. Let them know truth. Speak the truth in love, as Scripture says, and just trust that God is more than capable of closing the deal and open their eyes and opening their understanding to the spiritual truths that will set them free. Let's uh, let, let's finish up in these last uh, six verses. Uh, I'm going to read verses 18 to 23. Have some closing thoughts here, and uh, we'll bring it to a close. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, "Please strike this people with blindness." Why he did that, I don't know. It had been easier to, uh, you know, open up the earth and swallow them all up, Lord. But he struck them with blindness because he, he wasn't so afraid that he wanted them dead, right? It wasn't Elisha's will that needed to happen here, right? He, he, he's just flowing in, in, in no greater authority than what God has given him, right? And so he's not operating on fear at all. It would make sense to me. It's like, hey, these people came here to take us out. So why don't I go ahead and take them out? They don't have to worry about them taking me out, right? But he doesn't. He just says, hey, Lord, strike them with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, 
This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. You know, there's a little deception here, right? He's the man they came there to seek. They're in the place that he lives. Now, he goes to the place with them, and when their eyes are open, he's there. So I guess technically, right, uh, it wasn't a total lie. But isn't it amazing, isn't it interesting how easy, how easily the blind can be led, can be led astray? But he said, this is not the way. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, oh Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, now here's their oh crap moment. All right. Does Facebook allow that? I'm sorry. Their oh no moment. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Oh Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And the Syrians had not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Man, there is so much counterintuitive stuff that happened right there because that's just not how we do things. I grew up in Texas. That's not how we would have handled that. Right? And so... Uh, so, so somebody, there would at least be in blood. Somebody would have had to die, right? A message had to be sent, but that would have been us. That would have been the Texas way, not God's way, right? <laughs> and I'm sure Oklahoma is not. <laughs> I've been in Oklahoma long enough to know it ain't no different here. It wouldn't be going down. <laughs> but uh, my goodness. So they open their eyes. But it's funny, the same one who, he prayed, Elisha prayed for God to open his servant's eyes. He prayed for him to blind the enemy, to get the enemy in Samaria, where the enemy has, it's a bad place for them to be at that point. The enemy has no advantage. And the king of Israel asked a, a logical question. Uh, I appreciate the fact that he was humble enough and respectful enough to acknowledge the prophet Elisha before making a, a decision. From a battle standpoint, His first instinct was to wipe them out because of their intent for going there. But he asked Elisha what he should do. 
Should we kill them all? And he was like, no, no, no. You wouldn't even do that if y'all were actually in warfare and you defeated them, right? If you defeated them with your, 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 your bow and your sword. I'm going to, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have you do the contrary thing to human nature. Take, take care of them. Feed them. Give them something to drink. Treat them with hospitality. And then send them back to the one who brought them here. Or the one who commanded them to come here with ill intent. Send them back. Unharmed. Unscathed. You would think that you needed to send a message that would give the king of Syria fear fear of ever sending another campaign there. Because, look, we have no shot. Last time I sent there, we lost 20,000 people. Um, I have to count the cost. Unless I know we can win, I can't do it. He could have been tempted to think that they were soft by doing what they did. They what? They sent everybody back? They fed them? Took care of them? Sent them back? Well, heck, if that's the consequence, why don't we just send more people down there and let them love us to death while we take everything they got? I mean, it's hard. A lot of times, we want to make sure that people get it. They understand that what they did was wrong to us. And, and we want them to know that we're not going to put up with that anymore. And so we're so focused on that, we forget to operate in accordance with what God's word says we ought to do, right? We, 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 we forget to operate that. We forget that we belong to the Lord and there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But we've got to, but, 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 but doing things God's way is what leads to life. Right? And so we forget that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. And so before we decide what we're going to do, we need to go back to our Heavenly Father. We need to pray. We need to open. We need to spend time with Him and, and download from Him. Father, what is it that you would have me do? Because even above defending my own self and defending my own honor, more important than that to me is honoring you. Because whatever I do as a representative of yours is going to speak something of you. Whether I do it in the flesh, I'm going to give the impression that you are something that you're not. If I do it in spirit and in truth, then I'm giving a true representation of the one who I am an ambassador for, right? And that really should be our objective, is to know God and make him known, right? And making him known by I am exhibiting his character, I am walking in obedience to his command and how I'm handling this thing. So if you want to know what my God is about, you can look at, you should be able to look at how I conducted myself, right, and get a glimpse of that. And we need to be genuine with that. You know, we need to be genuine with that. We can easily give ourselves passes for doing stuff because we feel like we are in the right and the other person is in the wrong. But it goes deeper than that. It is what will please the heart of God and what will bring him glory. What is the thing that I do that I know would be an obedience 
to his command. And we can't fail there. And so he says, you shall not kill them. You fed them. And the end result, again, everything was contrary here. The end result of not killing them, but instead preparing a great feast for them, giving them food and drink and sending them on their way. What's that last sentence in verse 23 says? And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. The point had already been made. They didn't need anything extra. (laughs) The point had already been made that, you know, there is nothing that they could do that would surprise God or be too much for God to overcome. As long as they stayed locked in with God, they were going to be fine, and the enemy could not touch them. I don't know what the Syrian king was thinking. When you think about it, God is all in his business, right? His secret schemes and plans, God is revealing them to Elisha and spoiling his uh, military plans. Did he not think that that same God would have a plan to counter his attempted siege of the man of God? Surely, God wasn't going to just let him take Elisha and take him out. And to, well, to no surprise of Elisha, God had the chariots of fire and a great army in greater number than what the enemy came. And you know what? The enemy never saw those chariots of fire. But if, but, but, but if, if, if Elisha wasn't kind enough <laughs> to say strike him with blindness and, and let the enemy press in, they would have they would have never survived. They, they, they would have died by the hands of that chariots of fire and that great army, right? So my point here is that we don't have to see it for it to be real. You know, Hebrews 11 one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That army of God was real, even though Elisha's servant couldn't see it. God is real. He's in your circumstance with you. He is mighty to save, even if you can't see it. God has an army ready to defend you, even if you can't see it. But God, I pray that you open our eyes. That you open our minds, open our perspective to remember just who it is that we belong to. That you and you alone are God. There is none greater than you and there is none beside you. You are God alone. And that there is nothing impossible with you. There is nothing too hard for you. It doesn't matter how bad the circumstance looks. Father God, we just need to know. That we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Oh, Father God, open our eyes like you opened the eyes of Elisha's servant.
the worship team did a beautiful job of really ministering to potential fears and and the hurts that people have been going through. And, and Lord, we've been in a pretty lengthy season, Father God, of just one blow after another. And and the hits just keep on coming and the drama just keeps on building and the division just keeps on widening and and and, and, and all the news and stories just keep on swirling and it's so hard to know what who we should be listening to and what is true and what is not. But it's hard as long as we've not centered ourselves in you, Father God. And so, Father God, I just pray that you would really move on us, Lord, to understand and and to see the importance of our uh, pressing into you and developing and cultivating our relationship with you so that we can be among those sheep that hear your voice, that know your voice, and we will not listen to another. That we, like Elisha, can hear from you and let your words direct us without concern what the enemy is doing because you are directing us in spots, in, in the gaps, through the gaps in the enemy's plan. You are thwarting the enemy at every step. All we, we don't have to know every chess piece on the board. We don't have to see the huge big picture. What we do need to see and know that you are with us. That we can trust you. That you're going to guide us through the fire without us being burned. That you're going to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we see no evil. That you'll prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Open our eyes, Lord, and change our perspective in the midst of our hurts, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our fears. That we might surrender those things all to you. And stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am going to, uh, you can write these down if you want, but uh, if I have a few verses that are just single verse verses that I want to share with you. Um, you may, some of you may know all of these. Uh, the first one, and I have it under a section that says, uh, uh, fear is overcome by trusting in God. That's the way I felt the Lord uh, speak to me on this uh, as I was studying this. Fear is overcome by trusting in God. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4 say this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Isaiah 12, verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. 
and he has become my salvation. God has become your salvation. And I will finish with one that's always been one of the personal favorites of mine, Isaiah 26, uh, verse 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know, I, I think when we get down to it, as I conclude here, we get down to it. Um, when we struggle with fear, that means we're struggling in trusting God. It, it may seem like a harsh thing to say, but it's just, I'm saying it in love, it's just the truth, right? The more we're able to trust him, right, the the, the better we're able to handle fear and, and, and walk in courage and faith, right? And so there's a reason, you know, when we encourage our kids when they're little and they're wanting to, hey, no, jump, jump, I'll catch you, I'll catch you, right? They're, 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 they're trying to figure out, if I jump, will daddy really catch me, right? And once they cross that hurdle in their mind, they'll jump probably when dad's not even ready, Right. And so you got to stay on your toes because calamity can happen. But they've crossed that bar and fear is not an issue with them anymore because they trust in it. They 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 they, they, they took a leap of faith and their dad caught him or mom caught him. Right. And so we just have to get to that point to where we're able to trust God. Though the furnace is burned seven times hotter than normal in front of us, we still trust God. Though there's a lion's den full of hungry lions that I'm being threatened to be pulled into, we still trust God, right? And so, you know, though I'm being pressed on every side, you know what? I'm not going to give in to fear because I'm going to trust God. He is my salvation. He is my everlasting rock. And at the the final analysis of it, man can take away my body, right? But but my soul is in God's hands. And he and he he, he keeps that for eternity. And so uh, I'll just end with a couple of questions and I'll let you meditate on those and let let you and God deal with that. But if we consider the servant of Elisha he had a, a spiritual blind spot, uh, basically, <laughs> right? He didn't see what Elisha was able to see, but God opened his eyes. What spiritual blind spots might you have? What areas of struggle, uh, what, what, what issues of life, right, are, do your eyes need to be open and see the glory of In what situation in your life are you like Elijah's servant where you're like, oh, alas, what shall we do? This is too much for me. I can't handle this. This is, this is, this is the death of me. Uh, uh, and we walk in fear and doubt and so forth. Where, where, where in your life are you there? And, and uh, I, 
I would say as you've identified that, that you would take that to the Lord and invite God to open your eyes to see the spiritual reality that exists over and above the circumstance that's troubling you. So that you can see that you're not abandoned and left alone in that situation. God is working in that situation. He's going to redeem you in it. Amen? I mean, and we know what's going on in the world. And so much of it is is ugly. But are our eyes truly open to the kingdom reality in the spirit? So those are the two, the two questions. What spiritual blind spots might you have that God needs to open your eyes and you need to invite him to do that? And, and while we know what's going on in the world, are our eyes truly open to the kingdom reality in the spirit? This is not condemnation. This is not to make you feel less than. You know, these are important questions that, that pertain to our life and our walk with God that we're going to have to settle some issues in our hearts, right? Is God God um, when things go off the rails? Or is he only God and we're only hallelujah and praise him when everything is smoothed and going well, right? And so God wants to show us, reveal himself to us in greater degree in those hard times that we don't want to be in. Or those, And if we're too focused on fears, and not seeking him, what are we missing in those moments that God wants to reveal to us? I'm telling you that many of you out there right now are feeling besieged by the enemy, and you're like Elijah's servant wondering, I I, I don't know. And you might not see it right now because your perspective is narrow and you can't see beyond the issues that you're confronted with and your feelings about them. But I'm, but I'm praying for you that God would open your eyes to the spiritual truth that there is more on your side than what you're confronted with. And let God encourage you with that. I'm going to ask you to stand. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm not I'm not going to uh, call every call everybody up and do an altar call. But um, I just I really want you to uh, take that to heart. And I hope this message spoke to you. And and uh, God has dealt with you in the area that he needs to deal with you in. There is benefit. There's blessing for you there. But you're going to have to receive, humbly receive the truth that's been preached to you. And you're going to have to act on it. And I tell you, if you do that, you're going to see God move. You're going to see him do amazing things. And, and even though the situation may not change immediately, just having your eyes open to the presence of God in that situation with you. The, the fact that there's more for you than against you. Um, Will, is, will be uh, a, a significant encouragement to you that will strengthen your faith and, and, and give you hope that God's going to carry you through. 
Father, I lift up these precious people to you, Lord, and I, I thank you for the word that uh, you blessed me to share with them, Lord, and uh, I thank you for the open hearts that received it. And, and Father, I just know that you're going to, that you even now are dealing with people right where they're at. And this word for everyone who needed to hear what was preached today uh, and what was shared throughout the service <laughs> in uh, worship and announcements and, and uh, finally in the word, Father God, all work together to, uh, you know, to really give people an encounter with you, Lord, that's going to help them grow uh, and help them uh, mature uh, in the Lord. So, Father, I just uh, I thank you for the eyes that are going to be open uh, to the spiritual truth that is greater than their natural reality, Lord. And, uh, and as they commit themselves to pressing into you, learning to hear your voice and acting in obedience to you, Father, that we will see a great blessing. Great victory uh, come as a result. Uh, Father, all this I pray and thank you for, for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, love you guys and God bless. Um, we, uh, Lord bless you this week and we'll see you next week. <laughs>